Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s Halloween Interruption Spectacular. Woo! I'm Kyle Woods. I'm here with Dylan Shore, and we're going to talk about scary movies all month long. Yeah! Yes! Dylan, have you seen anything scary or otherwise lately? No, wait, that's not how this goes. We're going to talk about the men candy today. The, the candy men movies. All yeah. three in total. Dylan, who is Candyman? Candyman is Tony Todd. Sorry, there are no mirrors around you currently. I'm staring directly into one right now. That is a mistake. Dylan, get rid of that mirror. I'm not going to say his name five times in a row. <laughs> Before we uh, become impaled by hooks, should we talk about some other movies? <clears throat> yes, we should. What do you got? Let's see. I did uh, a couple rewatches. Nice. Uh, and then one new one. Um, I rewatched The Warriors because it was <laughs> leaving uh, HBO. And I was like, I love this movie. I want to watch it. Got to come out and play. Still good. Yeah, man. I, it's a great movie. Um, I, then, I'm a uh, fan of any 80s movie with like wildly themed gangs. So RoboCop, is it two or three, is pretty high on my list also. What's great is that Warriors is actually 79. So it, it's like right before, it does feel very 80s though, but it's no, it's like hitting that tail end of the 70s. Yeah, I suppose it's that thing that, that sets the tone for everything that came after it, huh? Yep. Yeah, that movie rules. Hell yeah. Uh, and then a couple of my friends hadn't seen Robert Altman's Shortcuts. Okay. So watched that. And that's also a flawless movie. Like all the acting is so good. And the stories are just, oh, uh, it's just real. It just feels like just real people. I mean, that's Altman's sort of panache, right? That's his calling card is that, you know slice of life overlapping dialogue the way people actually talk gall darn it yeah i'm uh, actually one of your friends who hasn't seen shortcuts yeah my entire knowledge of that film comes from the movie pineapple express and them describing julianne moore for their or no not pineapple express sorry knocked up knocked up yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> enough of that <laughs> um and then i watched many saints of newark the oh, okay. Those movie. Right on. And I liked a lot of it and didn't care for some of it. It's, it doesn't, like David Chase said, it was like not meant to be viewed on HBO. It's meant to be viewed in theaters. It feels like an HBO movie. <laughs> sure. It, it, yeah, it doesn't feel like a theater warranted experience. It felt like how I wanted to view The Sopranos at home on my couch uh and it does feel that way even it's it feels like a two hour long episode like it it's ending is also like doesn't feel like a movie ending by any means it's like they're trying to set up a whole new series or something and I mean, that would not surprise me in the least yeah um but the, like the all the acting is phenomenal it's some top-notch stuff from everyone that's in it yeah, but, but it's worth a watch if you're a Sopranos fan. It definitely I'm, is. I'm like a minor Sopranos fan. I feel like we've talked about this before. I've sort of watched, I don't know, four-ish seasons and then just never circled back around to it. And I definitely enjoyed my time with it, but 
was not, I don't know, drawn to it the way that so much of our culture seems to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely enjoyed this show. I liked it a lot. But uh, it's been a minute since I've seen it, actually. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've watched. How about you? I got a couple I can throw out there. Let's see. Yeah, a couple of rewatches and a couple of new ones. I watched Top Gun. Nice. They didn't need to release the new one already. Yeah, supposedly that movie's coming out at some point. Right? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because the the, the end of Top Gun really perfectly sets it up for the movie I'm sure they made that we haven't seen yet because it's Tom Cruise going back to be a Top Gun instructor. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's good stuff. I... Tony Scott is such a talented filmmaker and that movie is so beautiful to look at, just to behold, you know, that like, it, it's almost as if uh, Tangerine Dream was the cinematographer, you know, it's just it's so splashy and blue and orange. and oh, It's very orangey. Yeah, it really is. And everybody is so damn sweaty all the time, which is all a detail I really like, man. And the people that I watched it with were like, why is everybody so sweaty all the time? What's going on with this movie? I'm like, it takes place in the Indian Ocean and the panhandle of Florida. These are sweaty places. These people should be drenched. Uncomfortable. Uh, uncomfortable, yeah. The sun is beaming down on them. My only thing is, and you know, I take it with a grain of salt, I guess, because who's going to recast Tom Cruise in a 30-year-old movie? But... Um, I wish there was somebody with a little more vulnerability in that role because the whole thing relies on such a subtle arc and obviously the intensity of the environment demands Tom Cruise, but Val Kilmer gives you vulnerability and Tom Cruise just never gets there, you know? But I don't think that's, that's Maverick though. It is. It's the whole arc. It's that he needs to learn his role. Like his, he needs to set aside his Maverick self for this greater good and become integrated into the community, the team That's around him, vulnerable. love life. Well, it is in that you have to learn to rely on other people and to know that other people yeah. can rely on you. And that, that sort of does take a vulnerability, you know? And I see what you're saying. I think a, an actor that was willing to give that role just a little more subtlety could have, you know, really elevated it. Obviously it's, acronistic thing but imagine oscar isaac doing that where he can carry that insane intensity but he can also really he melts your heart though doesn't he buddy mm-hmm. so anyways top gun classic tony scott's my favorite filmmaker he's a damn good one he's a good one i watched larry crown for the first time love that movie so much okay. i think that was so sweet dude it's very sweet it's very sweet tell me more because <laughs> i was wanting to recast it the whole time that my take on this movie was like oh i'll bet this script was awesome before did tom hanks write it and directed it it's an original script Uh uh-huh it's not based on like i i feel like there's a twee indie of this movie that like he's trying to make you know what i mean Hmm. Hmm. so if it hadn't been two of the biggest movie stars on the planet but hadn't instead been like I don't know, Steve Carell or, you oh, know. I'm looking to see right now if he wrote it, just to, just to confirm. I knew him he directed him it. Nia, him and Nia uh, Bartolos, who wrote oh. and stars in. Um, 
Big Fat Greek Greek Wedding. wedding. Yeah, they have an interesting relationship. He's kind of the reason that that show has produced or Playtone did um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I love that movie. I do too. And I love Larry Crown. I I liked Larry Crown, but I found myself more fascinated with it than like taken by it. You know, I was never caught up in the experience of having a, a cinematic moment. I was just befuddled, you know, really confused by what I was seeing from moment to moment. You didn't like the Vespa gang? I love the Vespa gang. It's just so weird that it's Tom Cruise. It's like the it's not Tom Cruise. Sorry, 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 Tom Hanks. Um it's perfect for Tom Hanks. It's lovable everyday man Tom Hanks. And he's doing great with it. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. It just is like such a interesting artifact. Because here's what it is. There's a conflict between what this this type of movie generally is and the status that Tom Hanks conveys and Julia Roberts. These are fucking megastars. And this thing is written like it's a, you know, million dollar indie starring Jesse Eisenberg in 2006. It's really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. It is. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie on the planet, but it is just an easy watch. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love the spirit behind it. I, you know. Yeah. I love Cedric the Entertainer as the neighbor who's <laughs> yeah. constantly running a yard sale. <laughs> Forever. Forever. See, that's exactly it. You know, it, it does feel a little assembled of all of these other movies, right? So I'm thinking of, uh, what's the Will Ferrell one? Everything Must Go, which uh-huh. is a different take on the yard sale thing. And the Vespa stuff, I just am only seeing <laughs> Zach Braff in anything he's ever done, right? Doesn't that feel like it was written for a Zach Braff character around the same time? No, come on, come Does on, right? Vespas in everything he's ever been filmed making, <laughs> not literally, but he's on like a World War II motorcycle. He fucking wishes. Um, I'm probably projecting a lot of scrubs into his movie persona where he, oh, yeah, I don't up. like scrubs. Well. I mean, I'm like, so I'm sorry to hear I that. I really like Zach Braff too. Like, I like a few things he's in. I, yeah, I like like two movies. Honestly, he hasn't done many movies though. No, um, I don't love Garden State, but I love Scrubs. I think it's one of the better things to have ever been on television, and it definitely has a really special place in my heart. Yeah. Well, uh, I love Garden State, and it has a special place in my heart. You got chocolate in my peanut butter, bro. That's a good combo. I mean, they go great together, apparently. Let's talk about some other movies. Have you seen Open Windows? Uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah. I did see that once. Uh, I remember not minding it. It was a weird, like, cyber thriller. Yeah, it's very, I think uh, John Cho made kind of this same movie recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and, that one was fun too. It was just like that whole shtick of just seeing the computer screen and videos on the computer screen got old after a while. But that movie was a lot of fun. It it was a lot of fun, and it has a pretty nutso twist. Yeah, the and, mom. <laughs> well, and the body at you know I don't want to like completely spoil it, but spoil the, it. That's true. That's true. But yeah, it's, it's a little like um, okay, you know. 
but I was sort of impressed with their willingness to get the webcam out into the world. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't feel like you see that a lot in these kind of movies. It's really does tend to be pretty, you know, laptop centric. Yeah. But this thing was all over the place. That was kind of a lot of fun. <clears throat> I also, I just, I like that Elijah Wood is spending this segment of his career making strange thrillers. Yeah, that, no, I'm all about it. Him and his production company, I'm all about what they're doing. Yeah. They have some interesting ones under their belt. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I want them to keep doing it, even if they don't necessarily connect with me. I'm going to keep watching them because I'm like, oh, that's different. What was the... Hey. The cabin boy? No, that's not what it was called. But the the one where the like the new one where come to daddy come to daddy. That's what it Dude, was called. I loved that one. That might be the best one they've done so far. I think okay. his company produced that one. I assume so. It's got it's oh. in the same vein. Oh, dude! If you haven't seen it yet, oh, I've you... seen it. No, no, I've seen okay, it. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked it. Like, oh, that movie gets fucking crazy kooky it goes to some <laughs> bonkers places and for that, that character he plays is so funny and so ridiculous of a person and elijah just like fucking nailed it he de- he nails the performance i found at the time that i watched that movie i remember finding that theme specifically just being a little tiresome and it was like yeah i have enough toxic masculinity guys is that enough reason for me to watch the movie and then when we get to that last the second half in the final like 30 minutes it's like okay yeah it was it was pretty good sold me oh yeah and then i literally just finished like crazy which was a first time view for me also that's a fucking that's an emotional roller coaster of a movie dude it's a ride yeah i mean it, it projects itself really pretty directly so I think you can prepare yourself for the emotions if you're an adept film viewer. And so I certainly knew what I was getting in for. I was, I actually uh, just sort of threw it on blind by title because I have a huge stack here and was like, oh, that sounds like it could be a rom-com. I got 90 minutes. Let's throw it on. And then five minutes in, I'm like, oh, this is not a rom-com. No. (laughs) And, you know, it's still a very sweet. He, so I was immediately struck by him because in the first scene, I get this impression of like, why did they cast this dude? He's such a schmucky looking guy, kind of. Like, it's perfect college guy casting, but then I'm a little concerned about going the rest of the way of the movie, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's Anton Yelchin, and he's just like, was such a talented, talented actor, man. And yeah, he was. I fell in love with him. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Open a furniture shop in London. Mm. (laughs) Marry Felicity Jones for a visa. I also like Felicity Jones. I think she's very talented as well. And her performance is dynamite. Indeed. I agree. She hasn't been in much in a while that I've seen. Little lay and low since Rogue One, huh? I guess so, yeah. I think she's got one after that that I remember. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Felicity Jones is great. Yes. Shall we talk about... I'm trying to make an attorney's general joke, but it just doesn't work with all these candy men movies. Candy's men... The men candies. Candymans. Candymans. Yeah, let's talk about these movies in order. Do you want to kind of talk about them thematically? How do you want to do this thing? Um, I'm not sure. Let's just start talking and see where we go. Okay. How, so what's your relationship with Candymen? How, how many of these movies have you seen? What was the first time? Where were you? 
I had just seen the first one or the first two, but only the second one one time. And but the first one many times. I really liked the first one. Uh, and the first time I saw it was probably middle school. Yeah, that feels about right. I mean, I would have been really young when the first one came out, but I definitely saw yeah. it when I was, I don't know, 12-ish or so. Yeah, it came out when I was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. I was a little older than that for sure. But um, <laughs> it, Yeah, I like this. I really like the first one. I remember it having an impact on me as a, a kid, you know? I think it's maybe one of the first movies that I can remember that was set in Chicago. And Chicago being, whatever. Chicago is sort of one of the places that I remember existing outside of Minneapolis when I was very young. Like, oh, there are other cities as a very, very small child. And so I remember being sort of enamored with Chicago movies generally. And this certainly shows uh, Chicago in a way that's not always shown. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely as a kid, I had this like um, affinity for Chicago. Uh, like seeing Ferris Bueller and Home Alone even, like it just made me be like, I need to go to Chicago in the winter time. <laughs> like I need to go there. It photographs a good winter, doesn't it? Yeah. Cause it like the cinematic winter of Chicago is very wintry. I feel like it's different from the cinematic winter of New York, right? Which is cold, but it's usually so just sort of like wet and slushy and- uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's know, what it does seem like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago gets that really like heavy snow and like white landscapes and the, you know, frozen tundra type treatment. Mm -hmm. I have to go, man, I have to go. It's a hell of a uh, town, hell of a town. But uh, this, the first one, I mean, is like executed pretty, pretty damn near like really well like there's uh um uh fucking i'm curious what the the clive barker like short story is the forbidden is i think it's called something like that uh i would just be curious to actually read that and uh just learn more about the history of this i actually did never realize that it was i thought clive barker like wrote the story I didn't realize it was based on something he had already written. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's take a minute there and, and talk a little Clive Barker because I'm a pretty big fan of his generally. What do you? Where are you at? Oh yes, absolutely. How can you not go wrong with Hellraiser? Fucking. Uh, what's um uh. uh Oh my God, why am I blanking on it now? Why are you blanking on it? Which one are you thinking of? Um, God damn it. Uh, Nightbreed. <laughs> For sure. Okay. And then uh, uh, one of the newer ones that's like based on something he's written is uh, Midnight Meat Train. Yeah, I like Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> I love Midnight Meat Train. That's a fucking great movie. The CGI in it is not great, but it's like, such a small production that like you really forgive it because it makes up for it in every other way yeah fair enough i also the thing at the height of heart of clive barker for me is that more than maybe not more than but he was certainly one of the first people to illuminate this side of the horror genre for me which is like using it to talk about things other than monsters using monsters to talk about the things that we have to deal with day to day right and sort of externalizing 
internal and or societal traumas and um Clyde Barker's really good at that you know Hellraiser is especially the first one really has a lot on its mind in terms of how you can fracture a family unit and this is uh-huh. obviously also very familial, right? The whole Hellraiser thing ends up being, wait, don't they have a movie called Bloodline in that series at some point? They do. I think it's like the fourth or fifth one. That might be the like old English Hellraiser or the um, American colonial Hellraiser. I forget which it is, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, Clyde Barker, thumbs up. He's pretty good yeah. at making movies, turns out. I wonder why he didn't direct this. Hmm. I'm not saying like Bernard Rose did a bad job in any way because it's actually really well shot in my opinion. It's really well shot and I think it's uh, the set deck and kind of production design also really sings man when she goes into that when she goes into the bathroom that first time it's fucking disgusting. It is like one of the grossest places I've seen in a movie. Uh, Really that <laughs> uh virginia madsen fucking rocking this whole movie too she's really really good for sure man very good i'm trying to think where this falls in her career like how much shit had she done before this just like some random stuff really uh i think the biggest thing on here is dune david lynch's dune and she's right. barely yeah that's and some random stuff I've never heard of. Moonlighting episode. Um, yeah, she works though. Like, there's so much stuff. She did Highlander to the Quickening right before Candyman. Pretty much, she had a few TV movies in between there. You know what we should do uh, is a trivia game. Actually, here we can play it right now with a different cast member of Candyman. Um, okay. Yeah, let's see. We're going to do, but you got to promise to close your browser. Okay. And we're going to do uh, IMDB over under. All right. Okay. So we're going to go with Tony Todd. Uh huh. And I'm looking for the total credits for Tony Todd as an actor on IMDB. Ooh, I bet it's a lot. Okay, so do you think it is over or under 220 credits? That sounds like a lot. 220 credits. I mean, like, it's so possible. That guy's done so much random shit. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it's in the 200 so i have to say if it's over 200 and 20 the number was 220 yeah over under 220 uh, it's just like at that threshold where i <laughs> and i'm just gonna fucking gamble it let's say it over it is over he's got 240 wow. imdb credits 240 for tony todd man what a legend wow good for him working constantly I'm particularly fond of his work on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, never watched that. <laughs> He's got uh, one really weird, ep- not weird episode, but you know how Star Trek every so often will just do something that's not at all Star Trek and there'll, there'll be kind of a, a character talking about their life for an hour. Uh-huh. 
So he's in that one about the future of one of the characters. It's a, a delight. It's a delight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other movies that he's like popped up in, like Final Destination 2. Sure. Is it, he's also in the first one too, right? He's like the morgue guy. Is he then? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, with this many credits, you could just assume. Like, if you literally named a movie, there's a one out of 240% chance he's in it. <coughs> he was in The Rock. This dude does stay working. That is really, really okay. impressive. Yes, so let's maybe draw out a little bit and acknowledge that there are other movies in this series. There's Candyman 2, Feast Farewell. of the Farewell to the Flesh. That's what it is. And then Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. Yes. And then, of course, the Nia DaCosta helmed. Uh, and written along with Jordan Peele, 2021, Candyman, right? Yes, yes. Did he, did Peele write it? I he's got he a, produced it. No, I believe he's got a script credit. Oh, very interesting. Um, I think it's like an and, and, and kind of thing. You, you know, know you're, you are correct. Right on. Yep. Um, so, Farewell to the Flesh um, is also really well shot. <laughs> it's bill condon man yeah he went on to direct some pretty big movies not all ones that i like but like they're all movies that have an interesting look to them can't argue with that Besides twilight. <laughs> i'll twilight maybe still have a look to them though yeah yeah it has a look it maybe it's not something i love but it's definitely got a look you know i can <laughs> see it it's you know you say twilight and it does have <laughs> That tone, <laughs> that wash, anyways. Okay. Um, so Bill Condon, that's pretty cool. It does, it really is a good looking movie. It's uh, like rich and kind of, you know, it, the whole thing looks like it smells of mahogany and, and tobacco smoke, you know? Yeah, you, you feel New Orleans in that one. Yeah, you really do. And I kind of like the, um, this thing that it starts doing about holidays. I do <laughs> like that it bails out on them eventually. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing like a Candyman St. Patrick's Day type thing. We're in Boston for that one, right? We got Mardi Gras in two. You have Day of the Dead in three. This is what I'm saying. Let's let's make the fifth one about St. Patty's Day, guys. Come on, let's set it in Pittsburgh at the St. Patty or Pen where's the St. Patty's Day parade? There, well, Chicago's got a big one. Boston oh, obviously does a lot okay, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think we got the next Candyman form. Boom. <laughs> uh, I like the way Candyman 2 ends with the daughter. Like, Candyman's daughter. Like, you could set up a whole story with that, too. There's many places to go with this story. Yeah, and to that I end, think. it's a bummer that it, it just kind of punts for Candyman 3 and, and ends up doing the same thing again. And Oh, man, 3 is ridiculous it has the dumbest intro she the that girl just walks into an all-white bathroom looks around candy man's there girl and she wakes up from her dream I'm like that's so lame <laughs> so lame it feels like a tv movie it looks like a tv movie it's got tv stars in it you know it's um a movie i it's watched it's fine, I guess. There were a few things I liked in three since I'm kind of sass talking it here. The bee coming out of the bloody egg is like oh, yeah. 
really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, I, each one has their own great stuff with the uh, creepiness. Like there's some great visual imagery in each one. It's just the third one feels very lazy. And I'm reading the plot line now again, and it says it's set in 2020. Do in they what sense is that true? <laughs> Looks well, pretty 90s to me. <laughs> yeah, it very, I mean, it very does. But does that make Donna Derrico like the, da- the daughter from uh, the... I mean, obviously, yeah, but like, whatever. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. It's not a, it's not a great movie. And like, this, no, one, she has no relation to that daughter in the second one, right? I assume not. And so the third one, the war, it does that thing that people accuse movies of doing, of like ruining the previous ones. But watching the third one, I was like, wait, what are the rules of Candyman? Like, why is the lineage so important? Where yeah. In the first two of the original, I don't feel that at all. And I actually really like the um, choice to depict, you know, actually filmically show us the, the birth of Candyman in the second movie, right? It's really an upsetting scene. And to, to do it again in the third movie, but to do it worse is a weird choice when presumably you already have the footage there, you know, to well, go now back that- to... I'm reading this. It says Candyman 3 was distributed by HBO Artisan Home Entertainment. So I maybe see. it was a straight to TV movie. That it that totally tracks, man. It and really I, has I that energy. Why I never saw this one. Yeah. <laughs> and why you could entirely forget that it exists or not be blamed for knowing that it exists at all. I do the last thing I really want to say about three is that like those they're in the gallery in the beginning and they circle back around in the end, but there is some hair and jewelry that just demands to be witnessed in that movie. <laughs> and they say it's 2020. Well, that's how you can tell because their hair is so standard of goths in 1998. Oh my goodness. Uh, who, was the, who is the woman that played her mother? in the third one do you know let's uh, take a look that oh i do wade williams in the third one uh he's always a nice face to see but man does he fucking give one angry hammy performance he's a bad cop guys i don't <laughs> i don't like the way he does his job he is one bad cop me me he is so the the other thing that three does i guess in terms of standard trajectory for a movie that's been doing the thing too long is it, it it like is hammering the subtext becomes text right and so the themes that are you know the gentrification stuff that's that makes the first one so interesting and the sort of like uh generational trauma conversation that continues throughout this uh series is a conversation that needs to be had right mm-hmm and then the third installment is just like aggressively racist cops screaming about it, you know? <laughs> right? So that's where we get the ending, I believe, right? The, so I think the remake or reboot, you know, fourth installment, whatever we call this 2021 one is, I really liked it. And I think it does remake reboot sequel stuff really well. Cause I do feel like I'm watching kind of a, a highlight clip, but I, so I'd seen the 2021 version and then went back to watch Candyman 3. 
Mm-hmm. So that scene in the back of the police car is the ending of Candyman 2021. They just take it to the next level. Yeah. Tell everybody. Right. As opposed to what was the... Well, like, the, this new one is like, this new one is trying to make Candyman a symbol for the Black community of revenge and not sympathy. Like, vengeance, not sympathy. Don't look down on us with pity we are going to be fine. Like, that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what the, that actor, uh, what's his name? Coleman Domingo, who brings in the lead uh, to and helps him learn about Candyman and then eventually, like, sure. turns on. That dude is so good. He's I really good. like him. He's in this movie called Zola that came out this year. Yeah. And he, it, he crushes it in that movie, too. I, I can't wait to see where his career goes. But uh, like I, I, I feel like that's what he was saying though. Like, don't uh, us as a black community don't need your sympathy. We don't need your pity. This is our way of coming back with a vengeance. I think that's a solid read, man. Uh, and horror is a, a really <laughs> a fer- fertile ground to tell stories of vengeance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Damn, the, I, uh, the new one like feels like it's it's a quick movie. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, ninety like, minutes, baby. It is, but like for some reason, there's like just little pieces of it that drag on a little too long that make it feel like a longer movie to me. So I feel like it. Uh, I've still only seen it once though, but uh, um, like it's just i was like oh maybe they could have cut something to make it shorter and then it, i'm looking and it's just an hour and 31 minutes and it's like that's a pretty compact tight movie i don't know how what you cut from that so yeah. I, I, it deserves a rewatch like uh, i don't really want to pay 20 bucks to rent it but once i can buy it i'll probably buy it and keep it with the collection fair enough i liked it a lot more the second time around and i liked it the first time fucking okay. a Fucking I. Um, I Todd will be in the next one if there's a next one. Like ending with him, uh, Anthony turning into yeah Todd's Candyman might be him coming back for the next one. That's what I was hoping. That's what I'm hoping. I would love to see Tony Todd again. I yeah. Well, you can check him out in the up. Coming Requiem, Night Night, The Reenactment, Horror Noir, <laughs> All Gone Wrong. <laughs> but it's not <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I hope they do more of them. Uh, and you know what I think the new one does very well is the backstory by showing those like silhouette uh, ca- characters and like telling the story through like cartoon almost absolutely really interesting well it it does a great thing which is executing the craft and elevating the metatextual nature of it right so it's Candyman, even in the original is about the nature of storytelling and that is throughout the horror the the series of this films is like it's real because we believe it's real the things Uh that we tell each other have power and that's really important we need to respect mythology and understand the the impact of of information on our lives you know and that that's certainly present throughout and this most recent treatment really 
reduces that in a, a way that is super expressive. And I, I responded to it. Okay, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, me and Sarah were like, we were mixed on it as we were walking out. We we're like, man, we really liked a lot of that. And then like we get in the car outside the theater and I'm like, man, that's, there were so many great shots. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what it was, but like, it just didn't connect with me. I liked it, but I just didn't. She's like, maybe uh, she said, uh, it just didn't scare me. And I was like, so you were expecting to go in being like truly frightened. Whereas this was kind of like a, an artsy take on the story versus not a lot of jump scares. There are some, and she did jump one, one or two times, but I'm curious if that's what like made her not fully connect with it or I don't know. Interesting. Do you feel like you are scared of movies? Like when you're in a movie, it's outside. I mean, I, I get jump scares and I, I've experienced like tension, but it's rare that I really am experiencing fear. So the only, for me, the, they're, with horror movies, the real thing that scares me when they are real situations, not some mythical shit like Candyman or um, aliens or anything like that. Like that's a, like Alien has a few good scares in it, but it's not like that's what really scares me. What scares me is someone trying to hurt someone else and like they don't know what's going on. That yeah. that's terrifying to me, and I can still watch the strangers alone in the dark and scared the living shit out of myself because that is such a very real situation that had so many people have encountered, which is fucking terrifying yeah. that someone wants to come and fuck with them at their house and then kill them. That's, yeah. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's very, very upsetting. <laughs> oh yeah i can't wait to watch the strangers happy uh, halloween i know baby but uh like yes so my favorite way to watch horror movies is to uh if i like i like to watch it with sarah too in like a theater if i'm with like a group in theaters totally fun but if i haven't seen the horror movie and i didn't get to see it in theaters i want to watch it by myself in the dark no lights because that's how you truly know if a movie is scary Fair enough. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes and no, right? I, the theatrical experience is so powerful. And so movies get funnier, movies get scarier when there's yeah, yeah, people yeah. around you. And I, think I totally love that feeling of being in the theater with that. I'm just saying if I didn't get to see it in theaters, I don't want to be at home with other people like, and then talking because that, it ruins the horror. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, sure. I mean, sort of pace and tension are more part of that genre than maybe most others. Aside from romance, I would say is so lyrical that you kind of want to get swept up in that energy. And there's just also nothing like seeing a horror movie with a crowd in a movie theater. That when an audience really responds to a horror movie, it's the greatest fucking thing, man. Like seeing Quiet Place Part Two in theaters was fantastic it wasn't as packed as the first one because of you know covid and everything but still people came out to see it there was yeah. the people had there was the theater had people in it and man you we all felt the chills through it we loved it and 
yeah, that's fuck, that's a good one to watch too. It's Halloween time, baby. <laughs> I the only sorry, this is not the same thing, but the only thing that popped in my brain was watching cats in like a half full theater and that's just everybody was so looking around like is this how do you feel about this very strange experience dude that is a horror movie yeah. that's a terrifying movie next week <laughs> yeah no never i'm never watching that movie again <laughs> i want to talk about the cast of number two just a little bit because i do find it somewhat fascinating kelly rowan Kelly Rowan, but also the career of William O'Leary is something to behold. Do you want to go down a, a quick little William O'Leary tangent with me? Yeah, definitely. Where I'm trying to, uh, which one is he? So he's the son, right? The brother. Gotcha. Gotcha. And his uh, IMDb, the top line is like, he's most known for playing Marty Taylor on Home Improvement, which would have been Tim Taylor's brother. <laughs> I just saw him in Bull Durham recently, so that's something. But he's also in Hot Shots, is a big part of my childhood. And then so much TV. The dude works. Yeah, he does. I'm looking at it right now. And I think he's a really good actor. Especially I, in like the 2000s, he's working multiple times every year. I'm saying anyways uh that's most of what i had about the cast except for always happy to see bill nunn show up uh-huh uh fucking the reverend yeah yeah exactly uh yeah bill nunn's cool bill nunn he's the best bill nunn. and kelly rowan though i like i love her she's great it's deserves cool. a shout out yeah i've only oh. known her from her tv work i don't think i've ever really seen her in a movie Fair enough. I mean, similarly with Donna Derrico, I, and I don't think I've really even seen her TV work as much as I'm familiar with her being like a person who's on TV a lot. Mm -hmm. And the second one also has um, Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. From uh, Alien. <laughs> Amongst other things. Yeah. Scary movie too. Witches of Eastwick. Uh, one last thing about casting is that I do appreciate, uh, is it, uh, it's Vanessa Williams with the middle name. Vanessa Everson Williams, sorry. Uh, um, Estelle, I'm sorry. Vanessa Estelle Williams from Estelle. Candyman and the remake coming back as the mother. I was yep. legitimately like, oh, of course. I'm, but I'm always that guy when the, the twist comes around. Duh, should have seen that, but I never do. You, yeah, we should have got it by his name because they call him the baby anthony all throughout that first one and yeah, then they do got into this new one they're like anthony 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 how did we not see it come in <laughs> we say his name uh the another thing that the first one sets up but then the the other films abandon is virginia matson being her own candy man her ex is looking in the mirror and goes helen 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 and she appears and fucking murders him. If Virginia Madsen had to have her own, like, not Helen, but Candyman type name, what would it be? Candy Woman. 
You heard it here first, folks. I only have one other note, and the amount it's that the amount of smoking in the first movie is a criminal at this stage in viewing it from 2021. It's insane how much everybody is smoking all the time. Like it, it feels like it's a movie that's made in the 40s. There's that much cigarette smoke going on. <laughs> um I have three more notes and they're pretty much from the third movie. Uh, intro is so lame. <laughs> I already said that. I just, I thought that was funny. I wanted to repeat it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and then, but, and then I wrote, but credit song is cool. LOL. I don't even remember what the credit song was. <laughs> uh, super sexual. The, the third one is super sexual. Oh, There's, lot of tits and sex yeah uh i mean I, you know what it's not not only is it an hbo it's probably like a skinamax you know like a <laughs> I... yeah uh and my favorite part of the third one is when uh uh donna derrico is that I her name so uh comes running into the building and she goes, Abuela, Abuela, open the door, open the door. And she comes in and the cops are chasing her. And she's like, I need a way out of here. I need a way out of this apartment. And she goes, oh, you can use the back door. (laughs) What back door in your apartment are you talking about? And then it cuts to her just coming out of an exit. I just thought that was amazing. <laughs> the my favorite part of that scene is Donna Dierko's delivery of the name Abuela and the character name Abuela, Abuela. and it just is like so. This is like, clearly that's like her Abuela. You don't call her Abuela. I, I mean, in I the know. defense of this movie, if because there's uh, whatever, yeah, we all know that might happen because her the also the like the cigar ritual was the most i don't know grounded part of the movie the part that i was like oh okay this feels like okay we're doing a thing i I recognize this behavior let's let's see where this goes (laughs) and then uh it's you know continues to be a movie from there on yes a very 90s movie (laughs) a very 90s movie ah yeah, well, it just is clear that she's never said the word abuela before. And uh, she yeah. has... <laughs> she saw it in the yeah, script yeah, yeah. and was like, I don't know what this means, guys. I'm delivering this line phonetically. Yes. Well, everybody, make sure you look directly into a mirror and say his name five times. I will never be doing this, but you certainly should. <laughs>